Hello and welcome to a Saturday night edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. Got to get that placement of the mic. Okay, we are live in Madrid at the home of Ewan McTeer on the couch where many podcasts have been recorded. But we got a third member today and it's Sam Leverage. So Sam and I were at the game and Ewan is hosting us. Mm-hmm. I was and sitting right here watching. <laughs> <laughs> I have no move much. Okay, so Ewan had the best seat in the house. In a way, yes. Because Sam and I had no replays. Mm-hmm. Sam and I had no heat. Mm. Sam and I... Uh, Wi-Fi was okay tonight. The Wi-Fi worked. Yeah. So, so, uh, so things are moving up. Yeah. Um, I kid you not, I was talking to Jeremy up into the Calderon uh, before the game. And he asked me a prediction. Okay. And I said, people don't know. The Derby at the Bernabeu was the most overhyped game. Yeah, it's awful. It is so, and it's always one one. So mm. I said I'm gonna predict one one, and not to toot my own horn. I got mm. it wrong because I said Griezmann would score mm. and Real Madrid would take the lead first. But I got kind of the gist of it. It was not a great game. Yeah, the first half especially was dull, to say yeah. the least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you could see this coming. Like this is the you know the Madrid derby. It does get hyped up. Whether it's you know wherever it's played, if it's a cup fight, it's always hyped up. But the, the Bernabeu one is always. A little bit decaffeinated is a the thing they always say in Spain. Oh, it's a decaffeinated uh, derby, a decaffeinated classical. They said a couple of times when there's been a classical and someone's already won the league or something like that. You could tell that, like, just well, you've been here in Madrid most of the week, like Sam, you obviously live here too. You could just tell that nobody was really that fussed about this derby. I think because it's really second against fourth in La Liga. They're probably go, both going to finish second and fourth in La Liga. They just had a derby 30 days ago in the cup, which really meant a lot because it's the cup. They just had that one. So coming into this one, just a lot more diluted. And both teams kind of approached it, especially Real Madrid in the first half that way, as in, yeah, this derby doesn't really doesn't really matter. And actually, I mean, we'll, take, we'll speak about the red card, which um, was obviously you know not a red card, changed the game. But actually, that was a good thing for the derby because that was Hill Manzano deciding, you know what, I'm bored as hell. Nothing's happening here. This is going to be a nil-nil. Let's throw a spanner in the works. And that at least made uh, the last half hour kind of interesting. And we still got the end result, which was a pretty not too interesting 1-1 draw. Yeah. Sam, did you see it that way too? Yeah, I think for both teams, they were kind of more scared to lose than wanting to win I think they kind of played like that especially that first half it was like a neither team was willing to kind of push and, and gamble a little bit I mean Atleti kind of watching Nahuel Molina who usually gets forward a lot and was very kind of conservative watching Vinicius and, yeah. and mm-hmm. staying deep and so I think that was kind of the for Atleti they knew they probably weren't going to win this one so they weren't going to take any risks and a draw is a good result and for Real Madrid it was let's just not lose and, and that's okay and we'll probably be able to grind them down eventually. And in the end, it was just that kind of happy to settle for a draw until that red card, as Ewan says, where then it was like the Atleti players were annoyed. The Real Madrid players were thinking we can get something more from this game and mm-hmm. it, it did kind of spark it to life. Yeah, the Molina point is a good one. And also, I what I also thought about was I wonder how much of a turning point the Reynildo injury was because... Yeah. Um, the thing about Jimenez coming in is that Hermoso goes to left back, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Reynildo's going to at least give you some kind of overloads or some mm-hmm. some. He overlap. got forward a couple times early. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he can. Like, he does that in his profile, right? But, you know, once it's Her- Hermoso, Jimenez, plus yeah. Saul on the left wing, like, okay, so yeah. Atletico's wings are gone. Yeah. And so what's going to happen? 
it's funny, like, it just, it feels like the center of gravity of the Derby at the Bernabeu will just pull everything back despite red card or what mm. happens. It just will end 1-1 somehow. Yeah. It was inevitable, but um, they, I, I'm curious to know what you guys think. I saw a lot of criticism of Real Madrid in this game. Um, I don't think it, they were that bad. Um, I think there was a natural element of there's three huge games this week. This is the least huge of the three. Yeah. The league is... I mean, a lot of people were like, well, league's over now. I'm like, league was over. Yeah. So um, that was my, my opinion. It was over. And now it's even more over. But it was the least, um, I guess, urgent of the three games. Mm-hmm. Barca's in the cup next game. And so there was a, the, the atmosphere seemed naturally subdued. It wasn't that crazy in the stadium. The fans weren't that crazy. There wasn't many press, uh, as we as we kind of noted. It didn't have the feeling of a big game, mm. and but then the first half was like good. Like you know what's interesting was that Sam like the Bernabeu was very appreciative of how Rams were playing throughout the game. They were very encouraging. A lot of applause for the way that people like Ceballos and Carvajal, these guys were fighting. Asensio was doing some things in the first half. There was an energy when Vinicius got the ball, but ultimately what happened was that they just didn't convert their chances. So how many shots went like to the moon tonight? There was yeah. so many, like yeah. from the top of the box, cutbacks that Atletico had just like eight bodies in the box intercepting the cutbacks. Benzema had one big chance that would probably should have done better. I think that was the maybe the towel cross. Uh, okay, yeah. He had a couple of half chances too in the first I mean yeah. this was the thing, the kind of first halves where you see Real Madrid attacking down that side, they play the ball in, cutbacks, cross from Carvajal into Benzema. And so many times, especially last season, he's turning that into a goal. It's not that these are chances he should be putting away. They're half chances. But, yeah. you know, all the half chances for Benzema tonight were, you know, Rosette, Valverde, same kind of thing. The shots from distance, even when Chouameni, Camavinga, other guys came on. Um, just not really accurate in the uh, shooting point of view. But, like, just, like you say, it just felt deflated. And I think there are two reasons. Like, you mentioned that Aleti came in looking for a draw, even more so after Reynaldo goes out. Real Madrid, not that they're looking for a draw, but... I think that they're losing a bit of the... They don't have the energy to go for it because this is... You know, it's not like we're going to decide to rest in this game. It's just our legs tell us we have to. The team sheet told us they had to. And I guess that's, um, you know, uh, when we analyse this, we go back to the team sheet. Because I was surprised by mm, the fact that neither Chumeni nor Camavinga was in it. And that, I think, started... Um, the whole approach we saw from Real Madrid, which was... Ancelotti explained that afterwards he wanted Cruz there because he thought Atletico wouldn't press him, which was true. Yeah. And Cruz could control the game. But, you know, control elite is something. Control a nil-nil against Atletico sitting back is... OK, you have control, but you you do need to, at some point, get the goal to have something to uh, look after and control. So No, and comparing it to Tuesday night as well. I mean, like you said, there were a lot of half chances. I think that's a good way of putting it. And Tuesday night, there were a lot of half chances. Just mm. They ended up being converted. Bang, net. And yeah. that was kind of the difference. This game had those half chances, but... It's hard to think of a save from Jan Oblak or a save from Thibaut Courtois that was like a wow, what a save. Yeah, they yeah, accumulated really a lot, but not any spectacular. Yeah, Oblak and there were those save. chances that on Tuesday night were going in. And if that happens in this game, then it changes everything. But yeah. I haven't seen the XG stats, but I imagine that kind of reflects that as well. That It's not too different to Tuesday night, but Tuesday night was five goals and tonight was just one. Well, apart from those Benzema chances in the first half... <clears throat> Like, Vinicius was doing good things in this game. But, like, yeah. any time he would, like, get past a couple and he cut it back, there was a swarm of Atletico players clearing the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, there was just no room. 
I could be wrong again because I haven't looked at it in too much detail. But there was when Chuomeni comes on, he does one shot at the top of the box that Oblak has to say. Mm. That was the first time I can remember like one of these shots actually gave something Oblak something to do. Like mm. there wasn't much. No. Uh, decent build up sequences. In Ancelotti himself, I think the way he worded it was that we didn't have as much intensity as we needed in the first half. Mm. And, uh, you know, going back to the starting 11, I definitely think it's surprising that neither Chu Meni or Kamavinga was in it. I will say about Kamavinga, he's been playing a lot. Yeah. So it's yeah. fine if you want to give him a rest in between the classical and the Liverpool game. It goes back game. to what you say. This is the game to give him the rest. Yeah. Chu you know, so. is a little bit more surprising because he actually kind of needs some reps. Mm-hmm. But again, from the, the logical justification, makes sense to me. Atletico did not put pressure on Cruz. I mean, like, no. even, you know what, I guess frustrating for me as a Real Madrid fan is that I don't think Atletico were particularly good tonight. You noted on Twitter that they look lost, a little bit lost. Mm. And I thought their defensive structure wasn't great. Like, they weren't, they were in this 4-4-2 mid-block, but they weren't pressing, and uh, there was a lot of space between the lines. So it allowed us to play some, you know, one-twos or bring the ball up to feel like the way Militao did or some combo plays. And then get a ball into the box. But again, it was that final thing that, that Real Madrid just lacked tonight. Um, but it's not like this was 2014 Atletico that, you know, you couldn't penetrate. No, exactly. Like, in defense, they were actually quite solid. And this is how, like, a lot of the nice sequences ended with, like, you know, we were joking about this, Sam and I, before the game. Like, okay, what minute is Savage getting sent off in this game yeah. for just going into Vinicius and being so slow and so late? But Savage just had like one of his best like one on one defensive games in a long, long time. Every time Vinicius came at him, which he he did a lot because Molina was, um, you know, needing help on that side. Savage is there, and Savage just pinched the ball so many times. He had a really good game in that sense. That doesn't mean Atletico were good. You shouldn't have to rely on Savage winning duels against Vinicius because if you do that again, 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 you're gonna lose out at some point and eventually in the second half that that started to happen. But. Yeah, Atletico went good, and I think Atletico looked a little bit lost because they played such a different... They were a surprise as well. Uh, their team sheet was a surprise to me. I had no idea how it was going to look. Um, and I think Real Madrid were a little bit surprised too, and I think you can kind of break this game into three thirds based on Atletico's formation. The first third is what they started with before Ronaldo gets injured. Yep. Um, they're playing some kind of... 4-4-2 that they've got Griezmann as the furthest forward player that they've not played this way for a long time they've basically decided to put their best player in the most isolated position a little bit strange wasn't working then Ronaldo has to go off they have to change it around a little bit it's more defensive it's more like wing backs that actually suits Atletico a bit better for the next half hour and then you have the final half hour after the red card which obviously then Real Madrid have an advantage but the other interesting thing which I wrote about in the free um, answers, free questions piece was one minute before the red card, Ancelotti changes his entire midfield. Yeah. He subs on Chiromeni, Camavinga and Modric yeah. for taking off two of the, the midfield, Cruz and Ceballos, and moving Fede Valverde into the wing and Asensio comes off. Basically, he subbed the entire midfield either off or moved them off the pitch. Yeah. We never quite got to see what that would have looked like because the next minute, Atletico go down to 10 and that starts the third and final act of the game, which obviously at that point, Real Madrid are naturally have the numerical advantage. Atletico sit even further and it's a weird kind of uh, scenario. I'm really curious to know what it, if it would it have worked, Ancelotti changing his entire midfield halfway through a derby 
that was a big roll of the dice, a bold move, and we never we won't talk about it much because um, uh, it suddenly didn't look such a bold move. Yeah, for Atletico as well. I mean, they changed their midfield with Pablo Barrios. He came off at half time, mm-hmm. and then Saul, who kind of ended up moving to a kind of left back, left wing back role, and that kind of midfield battle, which looks so important before the game. Mm. And then there wasn't that pivot in the team. And then Saul came into the team for Atleti, which nobody saw coming. And then all those changes, it kind of never really got going. Most of the threat like, was you coming had like eight substitutions game. like in yeah. this game. Like it was just always substitutions or someone getting sent off, like walking off, injured. Like it just felt like a, like a basketball game, constantly subbing in, out. Exactly. Not much flow to it, which goes back to your point of kind of just... A bit of a stagnant uh, football game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I guess in some way, maybe this is an unpopular opinion or a controversial opinion. But to me, Atletico with 11 men and Atletico with 10 men is not that different to me. Hmm. It's like there's if, if they're still going to be just like this airtight yeah. defensive thing. They're going to play the same way. They're not going to change much. They just lose one guy in transition, which obviously hurts. Um, uh We'll talk about the subs in a sec. I think that's an interesting point. I want to say, because you mentioned Griezmann, I thought I thought he was Atletico's best player. Yeah. And I just the way he moves and the way he gets into the lap, left half space, he roams around kind of undetect, undetected. He gets the ball up the field. He's really good. Mm. And uh, I thought he was hurting us with that. He was, to me, like Atletico's only threat. Obviously, they scored from a set piece and him in a score, so that's Which he threat. takes. He takes perfectly. Sure, he takes, you know? yeah. Uh, but he, he was really good in this game and everyone else I felt like you know Militao did a really good job of neutralizing Carrasco for example mm. um, they didn't get that much from Carrasco and there wasn't much else from Atletico to worry about and again this goes back to the point like yeah if you're going to play Cruz as a 6 this is a game to do it you're not going to get hurt in transition that much yeah. um, I, I guess just for, for Real Madrid the unfortunate thing was they just didn't get enough transition opportunities yeah and, and that, he, that's a credit yeah. to Atletico as well. And they got even less once Reynaldo went off and Atletico went more defensive. And then they got yeah. even, even less once Atletico went down to 10 and went even more defensive. So, yeah, it's there's three different kind of stages of the game and at no point did it really actually swing that much in Real Madrid's favour, even with getting a numer- numerical advantage. It didn't swing as much as you might think or like you're saying, like you actually did think at the time. This yeah. won't change that much. Yeah, there were only about five minutes where I thought Real Madrid were finding gaps in the Atletico system just after the red card, which was when right. that Chalmini shot from the edge of the box. And yeah. Valverde, mm. They had another one like two minutes before, which were very similar. Mm. Like, something could happen here if there's just that gap on the edge of the box where Atleti have literally got ten men in the box and nobody yeah, yeah. else on the field. Yeah. And that was where the threat was starting to come from. But then Atleti kind of countered that, stepped up a bit. And that's, good. And that's what Ancelotti said too, was, you know, the shame for... we. He felt like he had enough time, that it was all going, not to plan, but like but yeah. they were uh, working towards a victory. And he <clears> said the shame was that they scored when they scored. Because it, uh, you had the same feeling, like it felt like, how long's left? 30 minutes. Like, okay, Real Madrid should score at some point. But Atletico scored to not just, um, obviously, change the scoreboard, but to like halt that momentum for a bit and put Real Madrid against the ropes for a second. And that's just a kind of punctual part of the game, you know, a, a free kick that, you know, um, again, another big turning point in the game that comes just after substitution, Alvaro, who we'll talk about in his goal and how well he's done against Osasuna and this one. Alvaro's the one that's closest to Jimenez. Uh, I don't know if he's supposed to mark him. I think it's Militao, but it's either Alvaro's supposed to mark Jimenez and doesn't, or... Is Militao and Alvaro gets in the way and sort of sets a screen. This is not his fault because he is not practicing defensive set pieces with Real Madrid. 
And it's the classic thing, the commentator says it all the time, you don't make a substitution just before a defensive set piece. Not only do they do that, they bring on a striker and take off Nacho. If Nacho is still on the pitch just before Alvaro comes on for that set piece, I don't think Jimenez is scoring that goal. Interesting. So another kind of like, all these turning points, like it's quite an easy game to chapterize if that's a word, and like pin down where the turning points were. And Atletico scored, I think, at right the exact time that they had to score to put Real Madrid on the back foot for a second. And then by the time they rebuilt, Ancelotti said it. We had time to equalise, but at that point, not enough time to, to, to win. And also the goal came from nothing. I mean, it was a free kick yeah. almost at the halfway line and then a very good header that Courtois couldn't get anywhere near. I mean, mm. nine times out of ten, a free kick from there doesn't lead to a goal and it was just yeah. bad yeah. luck for Real Madrid that at that time everything came together for Atletico. It really mm. felt like it literally came out of nowhere. Yeah. Like when, when it went in, I was like, oh, what? Atletico did that something? In the script. <laughs> yeah. Like it really did. It didn't feel like, like I, at no point did I feel like Atletico were going to score. No. So I just like, oh, now. But... The ironic thing is, I think Real Madrid played their best football when it happened, and that's just such classic yeah. Real Madrid. Oh, this is the urgency now we need. We now we have an excuse to be urgent. Yeah, it's like it just something yeah. clicks in their brain. They score, they have some momentum. Although they they did some, they had some bad decisions in injury time. Like there was that Vinicius counter attack mm-hmm. where he just basically kicks it for a goal kick when Camavinga was running on to, to, uh, to yeah. run onto it. Mm-hmm. Just a really overhit pass. I guess that's just the exhaustion, the kind of hangover of Tuesday night, which was mm-hmm. the same thing of having to go down and then come back. And I guess uh, the injury time of this game, when you're already thinking about Barcelona in a few days' time as well, that's when your decision making slips a little bit yeah. and you're not quite on it and as precise as you might usually yeah. be. Yeah. Um, I thought, going back to the subs, mm. I like Camavinga was one of the bright spots tonight. Um, no, for sure. Like everyone that came on, I think, was. Like was good was useful. Um, it's just hard to analyze most of those because they came on again in that situation where it's already ten men or where they're behind. But I think every one of the subs improved Real Madrid. Um, which is not to say anything particularly bad about the players they replaced. Um, I think Ceballos had a good game before he went off cruise. Like we said, he did what he was supposed to do. But yeah, like I think everyone came on. Um, was good, but you think Camavinga was was the best of the subs? I don't know. Yeah, I because I think he really made an impact. Like mm. in that left half space, all of a sudden we had some movement. We had someone who was getting into a zone that Vinicius and Benzema can combine with. Mm. He was winning the ball. Like as soon yeah, as yeah, Riamjo yeah. lost it, like his uh, his presence was made known right away. And that's the thing. Like this kind of goes back to uh, this is a debate that we've had in the podcast too. Like Lucas and I were debating about it because. Camavinga was awesome against Liverpool as an eight. I mean, as a six. He's mm. and then he was like, he's awesome as a left back. And yeah. and some people are convinced like he needs to be left back. He needs to be DM. He needs to be. A, I I personally think this is what we saw today. That's his best role is is an eight. But he plays so well in every position he plays in. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there are teams that test him at left back more than others and exploit his weaknesses there. But I liked him in the role today. I thought he brought some good energy off the bench. I think he's just continues to be really good. And uh, yeah, he was he was a bright he was a good spark plug there in the in the left half space to me. I, I thought he was awesome. So yeah, and I quite like that combination of him with Chalmini. I think they kind of work together quite well and almost kind of cover for each other as well. When Chalmini yeah. looks to kind of bring the ball forward a bit further, then Camavinga does kind of cover mm-hmm. him and drop in. And to have that connection, I guess from their time playing with France and the youth teams, that mm-hmm. they kind of have that understanding, even if they haven't had that many minutes together this season. So. I feel like that is something that long-term going forward could be huge for Real Madrid. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, just so you know, Sam and I haven't seen any replays. 
So we don't. Yeah. <laughs> we did. Well, I haven't seen Alvaro's goal. I you, haven't seen. You basically watched it from like the top of one of the cranes, just you know, like. <laughs> My I I was just basically like a fly, in you know on the wall, yeah. just like oh, there's some football on the field. That's cool. With no no replays, yeah. I, and it's funny because um, I, I was telling you guys off air, and you probably felt the same way that we didn't know that there was like controversy on the red card. Because yeah, there's, there's no we, we don't we have replays. Sort of rolling around on the floor. We see the all the fans game, and then we see this weird scene where Correal refuses to leave, and then yeah. there's like okay, people are getting involved, and which is all kind of normal for a red card. It's like someone's down, it's off the ball, something must have happened. He's not going off. This is like every red card, so you assume something must have happened. But yeah. if you don't have screens, you can't see the the thing is um, in the VAR room. They, I've, I've heard they do have screens, but. I don't know. They they in the bar room saw it as as much as oh. uh, as you guys. Did, so, so you so you obviously watched the press conferences because you wrote about Carlo Ancelotti. I there watched, was a I moment the too, yeah, where yeah, there was a moment where someone oh, yeah. asked Carlo yeah, yeah. Ancelotti if it was fair, and he's very he short yes. answer. Yeah, yeah. It was fair. He's the first person I've seen, and I've uh, you know since the game been watching a Marcus stream, even Real Madrid TV for a bit. Um, and Real Madrid TV will tell you that. You yeah, know. of course. But actually, they were even kind of you know, uh, like <laughs> if Real Madrid TV are like and, that, then you know. And Marca, even all the Real Madrid, like no, I've Angelotti was the first like um, you know sensible-minded person I've seen um, that said that uh, he thinks it was a red card. So I don't know. Um, I was surprised he said that because I was expecting yeah, I mean, him like the, yeah, me too, I, I would have I would have expected him if he didn't want to admit it, he would have said I haven't seen a replay yeah, or something like that. Get, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't know. Um, I think he was tired at that point. And, you know. Yeah, <laughs> also with everybody from Atleti coming out and I saw All Black was criticising it, Savage was criticising yeah. it, Simeone criticised it. You have everybody else saying the opposite. Somebody for Real Madrid has to be like, yeah, it was a red card. True. And Ancelotti kind of did that without going into too much detail and just saying yes move yeah. on yeah. this is just what the Gil Manzano narrative needed just something like I know this. this was one of my talking points was you know we talked about this all week Gil Manzano like I don't know why they picked him for this game because like both teams like really hate him like which actually sometimes means he must be doing something right but um, yeah. yeah when you in the first hour it was quite a couple of yellow cards for cutting some counter attacks normal stuff well, I mean what six minutes in he showed a yellow card to Adam and I was like Wow. Yeah, yeah, but like that wasn't really like, necessary. Kind of in the eighty-sixth like, minute, you understand. In the for, sixth minute, maybe it wasn't for like the severity of the foul, but for cutting out a counter attack, yeah. like you know, normal things. Two yellow cards each. Nobody's really angry or happy with him. And then I think he genuinely thought this derby is heading towards the most boring nil-nil. <laughs> I just need to do something. And um, uh, there we were, and uh, yeah. it made it a little bit more interesting. Um, yeah, it was just super weird because, again, we didn't know anything. And then I, I think the first time I realized that it may be controversial, I think you tweeted something about it. Mm. And then I saw the replay. I, I saw Everybody re- did. Yeah. Everybody tweeted. Something. Well, there you yeah. go. I mean, I, I wasn't checking Twitter, but you're one of the few people I follow. That's why. Mm. So, but like if um, the replay, the one replay that I saw that was pretty ridiculous was that it was from the back angle. Mm-hmm. And you see Korea like I'm not saying what Korea does was a pure like he's a saintly elbow like obviously no, of but it was not a red to me. Um, Rudiger obviously just makes mm. just completely the antics on that's classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's <laughs> and that was what Diego Simeone said, which was he's one meter ninety four centimeters tall. How is he yeah. being knocked over by an elbow like yeah. that? Yeah, I was telling Sam that in the press conference, mm. I have trouble. Um, understanding Simeone Spanish 
Uh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. With Ancelotti, not so much. But mm. even though I have trouble with Ancelotti's Spanish, I mm. understand him more because of his body language. He was like, Rudiger, and then he put his hand up yeah, here, and then he went true. like... And he was That's like, true, yeah. <laughs> he was talking about height and like... Quite animated, like yeah. It's, yeah, a full 3D press conference. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, cool. Okay, so uh, I haven't, I'm not looking at my notes. I barely looked at So what did we miss? I'm going to rely on you guys. Mm, the goal was Alvaro. We kind of spoke. Yeah. I kind of mentioned <coughs> the, you know, he gets subbed on just before the Atletico. He kind of accidentally sets a screen to Militao and frees up Jimenez. On the other end, there's just nobody marking Alvaro. Um, Corner comes in. He's there. Perfect header. Um, glances it into the far corner and you know it's like he, he could have scored like many different types of goals because Real Madrid had many different types of chances in those minutes but the fact he's coming in scoring a set piece which they haven't done all that much this season I think that's a big thing because that's basically literally a big thing Ancelotti has said this so many times he, he's tall and I feel a little bit bad because he's sort of the way Ancelotti talks about Alvaro is as if like you know <laughs> they just found a tall guy in the street and, and that's what Ancelotti's excited about. He keeps He's tall, he's strong, he's tall. Yeah, he's also a good footballer. We saw him assist well, was literally seven days ago. But I think Ancelotti is like, let's take for granted that he's a good footballer coming through the academy. What makes him interesting to me is he's tall and he said that in the press conference. Benzema's not your giant traditional centre-forward, even less so this age as he gets older. Having the tall profile like that, I think Ancelotti's really excited about. And he said he's going to keep playing this season and next season being the first team. So good for Avro. And uh, just one last like curiosity is, you know, coming through Castilla, Raul's Castilla. Um, you know, it's been a while since Real Madrid produced a striker from uh, Castilla. Raul, his first goal for Real Madrid against Atletico Madrid. Alvaro's mm. first goal against Atletico Madrid. Oh, uh, don't you're getting me excited now? The Raul <laughs> narrative is there, even though it's a little bit different. But yeah, no, and I think the other thing as well. When Alvaro came on, I was thinking about the Mallorca game where Real Madrid were 1-0 down and they brought on Mariano. And Mariano yeah, was yeah. kind of the target man, centre forward, and did nothing, basically. Yeah. And the balls were going into the box and he just wasn't there. Yeah. And that set piece was exactly the difference, that Alvaro yeah, was yeah. right in the right place, right time, right header. And and he's a young, much younger guy with much less experience than Mariano, but that's the difference. And yeah. that will be why Mariano next season might not be in the first team. That's why Mariano and Hazard have played their last game for Real Madrid. Yeah. It's all Alvaro from here. It's over. Yeah. Um, there was a part of me that was scared that Mariano might creep in ahead of Alvaro, but thank God. Uh, yeah. that, but okay, so I have some thoughts on this. This is a really mm. interesting conversation because mm. um, for all the criticism that we give Ancelotti for not trusting the young players, mm. um, Alvaro, he loves Alvaro. You can tell. Like, put into perspective that... Because he's tall. <laughs> so is Mariano. But, like, put things into perspective. Castilla played today. Yeah. And Alvaro was taken away from Castilla. Yeah, yeah. And, and we had all this talk about, like, we need to get Castilla to Segunda. This has been a, a challenge. And I always said, prioritize the A-team, please. Mm. It's great to get Castilla to Segunda. I, did Castilla win? I saw that Arriba scored, you know? No idea. Um, but, so that's one thing, that they value him enough that he can help the A-team yeah. and they're like, Raul, figure it out today. That's one thing. Uh, the second thing is that I think when you have, when you can come in as one of your first games at the A-team level mm-hmm. and you're, and score on a set piece against Atletico Madrid, yeah, that's like, and again, I haven't seen any replays, but that's really impressive to me. This mm-hmm. is not an easy team to score a set piece it's on. It's an impressive like, goal. Like, he has kind of free, but it's an impressive goal. Really nice header across the goalkeeper. Oh, Black has no chance. 
it's like the technique is fine, but I think what you're saying is important because he could have done this at home to Elche two weeks ago. Mm. It doesn't have the same impact as doing it in the derby to equalize, and to, I, I was. It's almost maybe good for him that it finished one one. It's like and not two one because then the headlines tomorrow would be the the photos would be well probably it would be Hilmanzano Korea but the photos would be like imagine Benzema scores a two one. It's Benzema in front of Marca ass. Unless he scores for, a two one. For me taking aside the yeah, for me taking aside the the red card and the other things from the derby. To me the 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 story of this derby is Alvaro scored the equaliser like yeah. And we were joking, but he got the MVP of the match from <laughs> La Liga, you know, the kind of official one, which uh, I think it's they have a rule where... 18 minutes. It's like, it's like basically like what? Like if you score the last goal of the game, you get it. Like last one wins. But He's got to be top of the league in terms of goals per minute now. Like, uh, well, yeah, I, mean, I, what, I was looking it up earlier. I think it's 51 minutes he's played in La Liga this season and one goal, one assist. Yeah. And but, one, one that was almost an assist that didn't count. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, when you can look at this and Osasuna last week, but this is the thing. Osasuna last week, everyone who follows Real Madrid, everyone listening to this podcast knows what he did and came on and values the importance of that. What he does here, equalising in a derby, the whole world sees that. Yeah. So this is what you're saying, not just the technique was good, he made the most of his opportunity. Sometimes it's just about timing, which you can't control. Like, it's not in his... It's not um, down to him that they're losing a derby at that time. It's not down to him that he comes on in a derby and not Elche at home. But some, you know, great players sort of step up in those moments and, and start to form a, a legacy from um, that kind of thing. So, you know, the Alvaro legacy is already sealed and delivered. Just like, bro, we it's, can... It's great so know. far. Uh, you, you wrote about this... What was the youngest player? Yeah, youngest player this century to score in the derby mm. was Gonzalo Higuain, who was 19 in okay. 2007. And now it's mm. Alvaro, who's 18 and 266 days, I think mm. it is. Raul was 17, right? When he scored, yeah. But yeah, that was, like that was last century. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was the last millennium. It was that long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the 90s are like 50 years ago now. It's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah Alvaro... Uh, Definitely is a talking point from this game. The other thing is you mentioned that, you know, with Atal, Ancelotti talks about how it's... And he always says, like, this is a different profile to what we have. Yeah. I also... It's a different profile, not just because of his physicality. As you said, he can do other things. Yeah. And the funny thing is when I think of Alvaro or I look at Alvaro, I don't, I don't picture him or visualize him as a traditional nine. He can do things outside the box. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him really interesting is um, his profile, his versatility... The fact that he can do a little bit of the some obviously not the Benzema stuff at the Benzema level, but he can mm. do things outside the box, which is important for what the way Ancelotti wants to play and the link up with Vinicius. And the other thing is, um, uh, he seems to just be like ahead of his ahead of the curve a little bit. Yeah, I mean he's. I don't know if I was mentioning this to you or somebody else. He's like oddly established at this point because he's mm-hmm. scoring these goals for Uruguay in the in the under twenty championship, mm-hmm. scoring for Castilla, who looks great. Um, how I'll, I'll ask you guys this: How much does this ease or change the club's mind in terms of do we need a striker before Andrew comes? I think it's huge because I think next season is Benzema still your starter. But I think they would have signed a backup because yeah. it's clear that they need somebody. And now, if you have Alvaro, I, I really think that's an interesting thing for the club to see. And we kind of spoke about, you touched on the 
the delicate situation with Castilla. Do you um, do you take him away from Raul? Do you take him for the A team? There's sort of two ways I look at this. Now that the league's gone, you could like not play him in La Liga and let him play with Castillo on the weekends and you just use him for the Copa and the Champions League on the bench and he can come on and do things. But on the other hand, maybe you start starting him in La Liga games to try and see what you've got. If the league is gone and the Barca win it with a few weeks to spare, a home game against Cadiz in April, an away game at Elche and you know me, these aren't natural fixtures, but you know what I mean? Like maybe you start Alvaro and give Benzema the La Liga weekend off if you've thrown in the towel a little bit, which Ancelotti will never quite say, but eventually the maths will say otherwise. And maybe you take him away from Castilla, not because the La Liga game is really important, but because Castilla, what's it for? To see what we have with our talents. Well, let's not play, you know, against, you know, if someone other's B team. Let's put them against the A team and see if this guy really could be a backup for when Benzema's out for four games in the middle of next season. I don't know. They've not thought about it. Ancelotti's not thought about it. It's so soon he'd scored like two hours ago. Um, but this is something that I think could be interesting in the next stretch of the season. Does he play the weekends or the midweeks? I think it's almost more important to play him in those La Liga games that don't actually mean much. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I think he has to play those La Liga games because really that's going to be the decision this summer. Do we need to sign someone or do we go with Alvaro? So you have to test him at this level and mm-hmm. how are you going to test him at this level if you're not giving him those games? Yeah. I mean, sorry Castilla, but... They need to yeah. kind of give him that trial period and actually see him, not just in five minutes off the bench against Atleti, but let's start him against a team like Cadiz Elche and see how he gets mm-hmm. on or if he kind of vanishes. or Because mm-hmm. it's a very different thing as well to come into a game in the last 10, 15 minutes against tired legs and so on, mm-hmm. when he is that big physical kind of guy, yeah. to starting a game against kind of a team that's going to defend very deeply and have the big mm-hmm. experienced centre-halves that are just going to knock him about and bully him. Yeah. I think that's kind of the test that he's going to have and save Benzema for the Champions League and the midweek games. Mm-hmm. I, I sign off on this. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think... Can, can they play Mallorca again and see how he does against Mallorca? <laughs> <laughs> Just go back in time and bring on Alvaro <laughs> instead of Mariano. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, could you imagine? I want, I actually, I mean, it wouldn't have made it that much of a dent. I think Real Madrid lost the league anyway. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like, Mariano does not need to be developed. We know who he is. Just yeah. let his contract run out so he can leave when, you know. But... I, like, whether you want to publicly admit it or not, right now, focus is Champions League and Copa. I would say if you somehow Real Madrid win Champions League and Copa, it's a pretty successful season, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But given the fact that we know, even if if they know subconsciously um, or privately that league is over, if you want to get the Liverpool version of Benzema and Mm -hmm. the... Mm -hmm. I think you need to rest him more. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think Alvaro is a great opportunity because because playing Alvaro is not quite like, um, you know, I, I think like the PR of playing Alvaro is is not like a defeatist attitude. No, if you play if you play Mariano, yeah, if you play exactly if you play Mariano, it's like oh, I'm throwing in the towel, I'm yeah. taking, I'm going all the way down. Yeah. But if I play, uh, play Alvaro, it's a good, it's a PR yeah, yeah. success. You're right. It's yeah. easy to sell. Yeah. yeah. And with Benzema especially, I think last season we saw that, that Benzema was playing every game at the end of last season. We kind of saw the hangover consequence of that at the start of this season when he wasn't fit. He had a lot of niggly injuries because he was playing the La Liga game to try and win the title and seal it and then playing the Champions League quarterfinal, semi-final in midweek. I think this season we're seeing that he can't maintain that level, which is normal. He's what, 35 years old, he can't do it forever. 
So save him for those Liverpool games, the Barcelona Copa semi-finals, and give a player like Alvaro that chance to to rest Benzema and say, look, this is your shot. You're not going to have a better opportunity than this. Yeah, I mean, it, I think Modric and Benzema are kind of in the same phase of their careers now, in the sense that mm. you have you have to have them on the field in the biggest games of the season. Mm-hmm. But and they're going to probably come good. But the in betweens, I don't think you can get quite that elite version of them every single week and so they need to have that cushion and rotation in between is, is the way I see yeah. it yeah. but that is also a mental challenge for Real Madrid if you're dropping Modric and Benzema if you're the opposition that's going to be a okay this is Real Madrid without Benzema and Modric this is a different kind of battle to what we were thinking I feel like that might be why Benzema started against Atletico in particular because you can't drop two of your big names against Atletico when oh, yeah. there's a lot more in this game for Atletico if they win than for Real yeah, Madrid yeah. Especially with Rodrigo out already, and he's one of yeah. your your main attackers too. Um, yeah, no, that that's true, and and you have to get Benzema to buy into that idea too. Like, yeah. hey, we can play less, but um, okay. So, what what else do you guys want to talk about? I mean, any thoughts on Asensio? No, the Asensio. it was it was interesting. They were like going down the side a lot in the first half, almost until Ronaldo got injured and then stopped. Um, I don't. That was the surprise to me, like with the lineup that Asensio started, because I thought Fede would start there, and the midfield would have one of Camavinga, Chomeni. So for yeah. me, the player in the living, like ten of them, I expected to be there. The one that wasn't was Asensio, and we know in big games he doesn't bully teams as he can do against these kind of small teams that we're saying Alvaro should get uh, chances against. So I didn't expect much because he kind of doesn't struggle against better class. He does struggle against better class defenders, and that was kind of the same again. He tried, but you know, it just. Yeah, I feel like he was. I mean, we were talking earlier on about how Real Madrid weren't desperate to win. I felt like there's one player who should have been desperate to stand out with Marco Asensio because nobody expected him to yeah. start. And it looked like he wanted to. Like, you guys couldn't see his facial expressions from way up where you were <laughs> in, like, you know, uh, the heavens, but, you know, like, you could see, like, he was. Like, the body language was good. It was just, you know, uh, the body was had left the football behind like five meters so you know he tried I mean I thought like yeah he tried the effort was there I thought he did some good things in the first half on the right side Mm -hmm. what I think and the fans were trying to get his back I think when the fans like started to start sighing with him was it was a moment where Vinicius does some amazing work in midfield and shows some strength to shield the ball gets the ball up to field gets the ball to Asensio in transition it's a break Mm-hmm. Asensio cuts in and he can either shoot it or pass to Benzema and he oh, just yeah. skies it yeah. and I think it was like oh. um, yeah but well, to be fair to Asensio I mean on that left hand side for Atletico they had Saul who was very defensive they had Carrasco who was dropping back a lot they had Reynildo at the start there wasn't much Rosso. space I mean, that's a lot of <clears throat> defensive players in a short small area yeah. that Asensio was trying to operate in and cut inside and every time he was doing that he was running into Saul he was running into those kind of players so it wasn't an easy task for him, and yeah, he kind of faded. He also found himself in a lot of these situations where he's in a crossing position on his right foot, which is, is not his ideal thing to do offensively, is to get to the byline and cross with his right. And most of those were either, either not accurate or they were just blocked. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this goes back to our earlier conversation that, and this is clear to me, that which games Ancelotti is prioritizing. Because mm-hmm. Asensio is not going to play against Liverpool or Barca. Yeah. So it's like we give him a bone here. Um, and, but this is, is 
after that Liverpool game, someone asked on the patron call, uh, what do we do without Rodrigo? And my biggest concern about losing Rodrigo, and I didn't know at the time what the diagnosis was, yeah. it was right after the game, um, is like, he's such an important third contributor offensively. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, Asensio was great against Osasuna, LJ, Mallorca, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, these games, it's it's kind of hard for him to find space because he's not a line-breaking dribbler like Rodrigo is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's, that's a challenge that comes into play. And so... Rodrigo's gonna miss the next classical, right? The first leg yeah. of the cup, yeah. Will we be back to the next the next game after that? Uh, next classical or next game? No, next, next game. Next game, but it's at the week, next weekend. Mm, pretty it's doubtful. Ten day, yeah. Day, so yeah. Like maybe, but mm, again, Betis away is actually that's a tough game. It's not as important for the reasons we've said. It's the league's over. It's you know, it's not classical. It's not a derby. But um, of the league games that remain, that's one of the the tougher ones. So I don't know. I don't think you'll be hundred percent for that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, Ancelotti, in his press conference, when he was asked, kind of, is this goodbye to the league? And he mm. said, no, it's just more complicated than it already was. And it's kind of yeah. that more complicated than it already was is that recognition of, yeah, it was already gone before yeah. now. Yeah. Not that I can say he that can, it's already can, yeah, complicated. Exactly. He can now say it's, it's over, but like, by not being like as... He's like, literally not allowed to say it's over. By like, not being as yeah. like a, you know bank, like clear cut as he was with the, the red card question, like by saying the right thing the club line but a little bit more vague that kind of actually you can read into that that he knows you remember um, when Schuster uh, he said the league was over he, you know he yeah. said he said we lost we were going to lose the Classico this weekend or something yeah. I think we had so many injuries you can't do that it's in a death when, sentence when Solari said like um, you know a draw would be a good result oh yeah for, I uh, like that, yeah. you know you, being Real Madrid manager is basically being a politician yeah and sometimes you pick a football lineup. yeah um you know, it w- wouldn't it be so funny and frustrating if the next couple of games Barca drop points and Real Madrid drop points against Betis and Atletico? Like this, it would be so classic. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, Almeria away is not. You know, like they have like the second, third best home record. You know, like imagine Real Madrid win the derby today, a bit of pressure, but no, it's yeah. it's done. Um. Yeah, I think I think I think it is. Uh, I wanted to talk about the. <laughs> we save this for the end. Okay. The experience of the Bernabeu. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Because <laughs> yeah. just to make it clear, like I, this was Keane's first time since the new press area was yeah. opened, and I asked you for your thoughts. You said I'm going to save it for the pod, so yeah. that so that I can react live. Yeah, I'm enjoying this because I've heard you inside of it. I've heard Keane inside of it. I'm like <laughs> just waiting for. Because I told you, you asked me when I was on the first pod after I went after the World Cup when it opened again. You know how is it? My takeaway was worse in pretty much every way. <laughs> You're... And and you couldn't believe that you had to buy a coffee now from a vending machine to fund Florentino's, you know, uh, renovations. But what did you make? Well, you it? you basically said that uh, the purpose of the renovations is to basically make the press to, to get unhappy. to get journalists to put you know fifty cents into a vending machine, and little by little they will afford you know a new contract for you know everybody. Okay, I'll start with the one good thing. Okay. Uh there's more space in mm. like before when you had to get to your seat you had to like climb over people the tables were narrower okay. um so there's more girth That's to the true. tables and there's more leg room and the tiers are higher than i think they used to be so mm. when people stand up they don't really block your view anymore mm. That's the good thing mm-hmm. uh the things that i won't call them bad 
not to be critical, the things I do not understand, <laughs> especially coming from Anfield where like there's like chefs cutting roast beef, there's a buffet. <laughs> at at halftime, they replenish it. They bring new menu items. Mm-hmm. People just like the press just basically go to the press room and eat instead yeah, of yeah. watch the game. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, yeah. The English press rooms are a different, a different level in terms of the food. Like they are. They're all about the food, I think. So before in the old Real Madrid press area, mm. you could at least... Uh, just get a cup of coffee mm-hmm. for free. Yep. Um, now it's a vending machine, and there's, so there's two there's two food items. You saw it. Yeah. Right. There's this. This is the. I asked the security. Mm-hmm. Está la sala de prensa? Mm-hmm. And she's like confused. She's like, uh, I was like, yo necesito cafe. Hmm. And she's like, oh, cafe, cafe. And she took me to the the press room. It's just like this hole in the wall of the hallway it has two vending machines and a counter where there's bottles of water i was like all right cool i just you know what at least the coffee was like florentino discount it was only 66 cents yeah but the worst thing is not the price it's that it's it's vending machine coffee which you're getting it from a vending machine which is only used like every like two weeks and you know so the (laughs) first be the first guy you know you've got to be a brave person to take the first coffee after two weeks of no matches and put in and go you know what i'm gonna get a cappuccino and as you hear the machine fire up again after two weeks of sitting in a dusty stadium, that, you know, I've not tried it. I'm, I don't think I'll try it. Maybe I'll try it. I tried. It. I had two cups. Was it good? Uh, yeah, of course not. It's, <laughs> uh, a 60 cent I'm basically kind of like an espresso, basically, is what mm. it is. Um, but anyways, okay, you know what? It's cold. A coffee would be nice. So I went and I just paid for the coffee, 66 cents. Again, it's not the principal. I would pay $5 or 60 cents. It doesn't matter. It's just the principal. Anyways, bought the coffee, came back. Uh, obviously, because it was so cold, the coffee was like iced coffee, basically, by the time I sat down. I sat with Nils today. Mm, cool. uh, at halftime, we were both called, like, hey, you want a coffee? He's like, sure. I was like, All right, I'll get what do you want. You want cappuccino? I was like, sure. I go at halftime to the coffee machine. Mm. And the lineup, uh, it yeah. was like trying to get into a nightclub. And uh, like... And you can see the you can see the game on TV. I don't know what nightclubs you go to, but Florentino's Coffee Hangout is, uh, you know, um, yeah. It's... I don't go to nightclubs. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, seven o'clock on a Saturday night. <laughs> so basically, you know, you can see the game on TV, like if you're inside, just so yeah, they have the screens that. there inside. So I was watching it, and it was like, yeah. you know, the players are coming out of the tunnel. I'm halfway through the line. Screw mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I went back and I told Nils. <laughs> it's like the situation is this sorry it's like it's all good uh, but right after and I actually missed the red card I didn't tell you this right after Ram did made their triple sub mm-hmm. I was like alright I'm going to tweet the, what the triple sub is and I'm going to run and get a coffee there's no lineup. up uh, <laughs> so I went into the coffee machine there was no one there I was like great it said out of service uh, no. <laughs> and uh, and while that was ha- while my world crumbled because it was out of service uh, I see on the screen Korea red cards. Like, no, I got like ran back you to my seat. the most exciting <laughs> moment of the game. <laughs> and no, uh, and the thing is, it's funny. This is the funniest part. Nils doesn't have replays. He doesn't know. Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, what happened? He's like, oh, Korea violent assault on Rudiger. <laughs> he doesn't know. And then, uh, and he's, then pro- <laughs> he's protecting his German Real Madrid players. You know, yeah, that's, exactly. he, he came. He came for this. And then uh, I was like, you know, like towards the end of the second half, I was like, hey, Nils, this red card is actually pretty controversial, apparently. Uh, he's like, well, I don't know if it's controversial, but either way, you can't elbow 
you can't outvote someone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure you've seen the replay by now, but uh, and we'll still be saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's, it happened. It's all good. Uh, but the press, it's a it's a never ending experience. So. Mm. But the Wi Fi was good tonight. But there was one thing which blew my mind, which was the kind of like glass wall where there's like a really nice view over Madrid. The sun was setting yeah. over there. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, this is amazing. I'm like, wait, they're just going to put the shell around uh, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a temporary. This is going to be disappearing in two weeks, but uh, it was a nice view. The shell is coming yeah. together, though. Because, yeah. you know, my uh, my perspective is that this is my first time at the Burma since November, I think it was. Mm. I went to that Rio game, which is in Vallecas, and that was the World Cup after that, and I, didn't, I haven't come back. So uh, it's been a long time, so it's looks a lot different yeah they did a lot during the world cup yeah like yeah uh the shell is coming it's starting to look like the models you saw like from a few years ago mm-hmm. and the roof too not from actually being at the burnabout but when you watch a game like on tv and the drone footage like you can see that the the roof is starting to look like it might work does the roof mean that it'll be indoor or only if it rains can be so that could potentially be climate controlled hmm that's yeah, that's, great it news. should never be cold again once it properly Never be cold or hot. That's the other thing with the new press area was that today mm. when it was raining, the mm. roof covered like the back three rows, but the front row was uh, not covered. At uh, one point, the sun was in my eyes, plus yeah, it was snowing. Yeah. It was sun and snow. Yeah. And I was like, what's going on? This is... But but <laughs> during Amancio's tribute... It rained. It was... Like only then, kind of. rained and it actually snowed a yeah. little bit. And it was like really cinematic because... Mm. I actually posted it on my Instagram story because it was so cinematic. It was like the snow was coming down and the sun was setting mm. and they had this beautiful music and there was this picture there and everyone was quiet. It was actually a really nice experience. Mm. It was a nice tribute. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had everyone wore the seven and then they had the, the picture with the trophies. So it was, I think that was a cool moment. Um, no, they do that stuff good. Like yeah. the <clears throat> tributes and stuff. No, that was that was a sad one. Like he was like going in, remember, just a few weeks ago at Yeah. Um with Benzema into the centre circle, which like I remember it because like it was like, you know, like Benzema walks him into the centre circle. <laughs> it took forever because he was like really old at this point. Yeah. And Benzema's walking on there, walking all the way back. The whole thing takes like four minutes. The gate that game, I can't remember which game it was, yeah. ended up kicking off like eight minutes late and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, just a, a couple of months later, he's, uh, he's left us, so that was a sad one. Uh, the thing with Amancio, too, just to mention, is that every year we just get farther removed from the dynasty of the 50s. I mean, Amancio wasn't part quite there. Like That's he how was, time works. He was a little bit after that, So, but you know, just these connections. And I actually wonder, just a thought that crossed my mind, I wonder who they will appoint as the next honorary member. Who is the guy? Um, yeah, Amancio was one, you know, one of the ones who transitioned. Like he was one of the transition pillars from Di Stefano's era to the Yeah Yeah era. He was, mm-hmm. he was kind of took the mantle from Di Stefano. Um, yeah, and he won like what nine league titles in twelve years or something yeah. like that. Was it? I mean, mm-hmm. domination it's, complete. Yeah, it's really cool because I remember we did a historical pod. I think it was this a game in the sixties European Cup against Manchester United. Mm-hmm. and uh, we were doing some research for the podcast and there was an article in The Guardian okay. in, right before that game in the 60s oh, yeah. and the whole thing was about Amancio he's like the heir to Di Stefano the right, next superstar okay. and it was a really cool like just to read that like wow mm. this guy was like, and he was really good he was a great right winger like it's it's really cool to just watch him watch his games but it's just kind of yeah sad that we're you know further removed now from the that. good thing though is that as that goes on and, <clears throat> and the legends like this the honorary presidents like this become from closer and closer times to heirs as you do have more footage of these players than you do the the older ones so yeah even a man you, you, you 
there's highlights you can yeah. see a bit more than you can of like mm, just five years before him kind of thing where there's very little like uh, footage that, around that is the it's a weird phenomenon because even like the kids these days know more about Amancio now than adults did in the 80s right okay, maybe not 80s like okay tw- in, but like yeah. 20 years ago because like now it's really cool like you go on Instagram like my algorithm is just like uh, classic football and classic basketball. Mm-hmm. Like everyone mm-hmm. is just watching Michael Jordan clips, Muhammad Ali clips. Like and mm-hmm. like, oh, these guys were kind of cool. Like they were good, and so that's like one of the benefits of social media. One of the things I enjoy is that the Real Madrid account puts a lot of historical stuff on, mm. like a lot of historical yeah. goals. It's cool uh, to see. Sure. Um, all right. Well, I'm I'm happy to end it here. Let's wrap it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to all the listeners if we missed anything. Um, hope this worked out. We'll be back. Uh. Probably Tuesday we're doing a podcast, and the Classico post-game podcast will be live on Zoom only for patrons, so make sure you're a patron, patreon.com slash managingmadrid to get access to that one. That's our next game, right? That's Thursday? Mm-hmm. Five days away. Quite Five days away. Little break. Little break. Mm-hmm. I have a whole day in Madrid tomorrow. I'm very excited. I don't know. I'm just going to relax. Sleep. Nice. I'm not relax and sleep. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, you and for hosting. No problem. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. It was a pleasure. Thanks Sorry. for being here. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. And before we send you along on your way and wrap it up here, we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. The ever-growing Real Madrid family that is being built there is incredible. And we're really thankful to be on this journey with you guys. So shout out to all of our patrons who get a ton of bonus content. If you want to get in on the action, go to patreon.com slash managing Madrid. And a specific shout out to these $10 plus patrons because if you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to these $10 patrons as follows. Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Will Sousa, Way Pairing, Tobias Arroyo Botcher, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujaiwani, Sumanchu Singh, Shay Khatiri, Shamil, Shabazz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Sam Razi, Said Mahan, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odayafari, As- uh, Nico Laxo, Oscar Barrera, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Marin Myrtle, Michael Zinberg, Nicholas Moeller, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavronakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A., Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Con P., Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Pashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armand, Armando L, Anirud Singh, Ananya Kumar, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Magrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. You guys are legends. Thank you so much. Love you all and Hala Marib.